0: our new psalm of the month is psalm six psalm six i'll be the sermon text for this morning let's hear god's word as we find it in psalm six to the chief musician with stringed instruments on an eight-stringed harp a psalm of david O lord do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? I'm weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be troubled and greatly Sorry, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. One of the great Christian journals is that of David Brainerd. David Brainerd was a Presbyterian missionary to the Delaware Indians during the 1700s. He was a man who poured his heart out in service to God. In fact, he died at the young age of 29. And in his journals, we find the wrestlings of a man with his God. He speaks of uh, much wrestling often with his own sinfulness and uh, with uh, his own wickedness. He continually longs to to worship God rightly and to serve him rightly. Uh, Let me give you one example of of what his uh, journal inserts look like. On uh, May 13, 1742, Brainerd writes, Saw so much of the wickedness of my heart that I longed to get away from myself. I never before thought that there was so much spiritual pride in my soul. I felt almost pressed to death with my own vileness. Oh, what a body of death is there in me. Lord, deliver my soul. We see the same sort of wrestling in in Psalm 6 from David. David, as he penned Psalm 6, experienced a, a deep and painful period of spiritual depression. Spiritual depression is when the believer has difficulty experientially knowing the love of God. It can take on the characteristic of not knowing the joy of salvation, having little to no happiness in the Christian life. During these times, Bible reading and prayer can be incredibly difficult. Sometimes those who go through spiritual depression uh, find the worship of God to be more of a burden than a blessing. They have no sense of refreshment, blessing, or nourishment after worship. Such spiritual depression often includes uh, struggling with assurance of faith. Further, spiritual depression can accompany times of, of affliction and sickness, as we see from David in our text. But David... And Christ himself teaches us in this psalm that no matter what we are going through in this life, we can go to God in prayer and know with confidence that he will hear the prayers and wrestlings of our souls. He will hear those prayers even from the darkest places and loneliest times of our lives. And so Psalm 6 should be an encouragement to us to seek the mercy of the Lord in a prayer when you are spiritually depressed david starts psalm 6 with an honest and raw petition he doesn't hide behind a a cloak of spirituality in his prayer instead he is direct and gets right to the point he says oh lord rebuke me not in your anger nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? David's experience, whether true or not, is that God is angry with him. David has a sense of of God's intense displeasure. This is immensely troubling for him. There is something disturbing David's conscience such that he cannot sleep. He spends all night on his bed crying and and weeping. But would not have any direct mention of sin in this life. David has experienced some accusation of his conscience that he deserves the anger of God. Perhaps David is thinking back on prior sins, on the sins of his youth. Perhaps there's more of an immediate sin that he is being faced with. One thing is certain, he believes that he deserves the anger of God. David certainly seems to have some sort of bodily ailment that is encouraging uh, such somber reflections as well. He is near the the point of death, and his body and his soul are troubled. In fact, David's bodily illness plays right into his spiritual illness, such that while David's body is simply troubled, David's soul is greatly troubled. Notice what verse 3 says, My soul also is greatly troubled. It's fascinating to consider here the way that David connects the troubles of his body with the troubles of his soul. Often we are much more ready to consider spiritual matters when we are distressed and troubled by bodily afflictions. When we feel weakest is when we feel our need of God greatest. It is when we do not have any bodily strength that we rely most on the strength of God. And this is one reason why fasting can be a blessing for us. The Christian is a purposeful humbling of oneself for the purpose of seeking God. It is affecting our bodies such that uh, we are able to think more on spiritual matters. But Psalm 6 should be an encouragement to us to make good use of those times that we are sick. These are times that God has given us to promote contemplation on his character and self-examination of our lives. These are times that God has given us to grow in sanctification, even in the midst of our suffering. Our common response when we are sick is to spend extra time maybe watching Netflix or or scrolling through social media or, or playing video games. But why not the next time that you are sick, plan to spend a little bit of extra time away from those distracting entertainments so that you can read one or two more chapters in the Bible. Maybe spend some time in reflective prayer as you lie sick in your bed or on the couch. Uh, David makes good use of his sickness to turn to the Lord in prayer, and that should be an encouragement to us as well. Now, it should not escape our attention that the greatest thing that David fears in these first several verses is not that God would chasten him. Instead, that it is that God would chasten David in his anger. Notice David's petition. He says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. David is wise enough to know that he should expect and even welcome the chastening hand of God in his life. Indeed, David has experienced this chastening hand often. He's been persecuted by Saul. He's had to run for his life multiple times lest Saul would kill him. He's experienced the the regular attacks of the Philistines. He's even experienced the the death of his own infant son. David was a man who knew that it was a blessing at times to experience the, the chastening hand of God. He knew that such chastening was necessary. And he also knows that his father heavenly father chastens and disciplines him because this is a sign of a father who loves him solomon wrote the words of proverbs 3 verses 11 through 12 he wrote my son do not despise the chastening of the lord nor detest his correction for whom the lord loves he corrects just as a father the son in whom he delights and to understand that Solomon wrote those words as a, as a son who experienced himself the loving correction of his father, his father David. David understood the necessity of a father correcting his son, of disciplining his son. And he knew that chastening must happen in love. The thing that terrifies David is that God would would not discipline him in love, but instead in anger and in wrath. The very thought of discipline can make many of us very uncomfortable. We don't like discipline. We don't like suffering. We try to avoid it, yet a regular aspect of living in a fallen world is suffering. Suffering. It cannot be escaped. And the biblical authors again and again hone in on the idea that that suffering, while unpleasant and painful, is necessary. It's necessary for our growth and sanctification. In fact, it is something that we should embrace and make good use of. And we should expect suffering and know that it comes from the hand of a heavenly Father who loves us. That being said, one of the most petrifying thoughts for the believer who is going through affliction is that which David speaks of here, is that God would not send that affliction in love but in anger. The very thought of that can send us into even greater terror than the affliction that we are going through. The hardships of this world happen to us because of the anger of God. Oh, well, what comfort is there for us? What hope is there for us? In, in the deepest and darkest moments of our lives, you think that, that God is angry with us. Well, that can be a burden almost too great for us to bear. Perhaps you've lying Perhaps you've laid awake and I going through some affliction and you come to ask yourself, well, why? Why is this happening to me? Perhaps the answer that immediately comes into your mind is that, well, God must be angry at me. God must be angry at me. That's a very lonely and devastating thought. It has a dark, deep and dark fear for the child of God, that God would be angry at us, and that God would, would send these afflictions to us in anger. And this is why David prays to God with such earnestness. He's, he's broken over this affliction that he's going through. He's terrified of of the wrath of God that he believes is coming upon him. And so he pleads with the Lord. He pleads with him not to send these afflictions and disciplining strokes with anger or displeasure, but to instead send them in love. Those who grew up with angry and abusive parents, there can be a real disconnect here. The fact that God would, would send discipline in love. For them, discipline has always been tied to hatred and anger. For them, they have only known the yelling, the angry yelling of a parent who, who feels that the actions of their child have violated their authority and respect. For them, discipline has always been the cruel lashing out and the unloving, painful strikes. There has been no love. If there has been love, it has often been a self-seeking and self-promoting love, a love that seeks to win the affection of sons and daughters so that they can be well thought of. But beloved, especially those of you who come from abusive households, this is not the way that God deals with his children. When going through the chastening of the Lord, do not be tempted to think that your perfect heavenly father is anything like your abusive and sinful parents. Know that when the Lord disciplines his children, he does so not in anger, but in love. Know that as he sends affliction, he does so lifting up the light of his countenance upon his children, seeking to win them back. Jeremiah's prayer in Jeremiah 10 verse 24 is, Oh, Lord, correct me. Jeremiah, Jeremiah with David, recognizes the, the need for discipline, recognizes the need for correction, recognizes that we are indeed sinful people and our hearts often go astray. And we need that, that discipline of the Lord to, to bring us back to cause us once again to consider the beauty of the Lord. But Jeremiah's prayer is, O Lord, correct me, but with justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. And Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, verse 33, In in that book of of Lamentation, which is about God coming against Jerusalem, disciplining his his wayward daughter with with great and profound destruction. Jeremiah says there in in chapter 3, verse 33, For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Literally, that is, he does not afflict from his heart. In other words, when God disciplines us, we should know that God does not stand there delighting in that discipline like a cruel, sadistic father. Instead, he disciplines us with gentleness and kindness, with a loving and open embrace. He does so with care and compassion. He does so because he loves his people because he knows what is best for them. And so David prays to God, he pleads with God, do not send these strokes, these disciplines in your anger, but send them in your love. For I know that you are a God who is merciful and gracious As David voices his concern to God with broken rawness and fearful honesty, he also does so realistically. David understands the brevity of life and what death means. He has that heart of wisdom which Moses talks about in Psalm 90. He prays in verses 4 and 5, Return, O Lord, deliver me, O save me, for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Now, some commentators will argue here that uh, David either uh, acknowledges a, a very limited understanding of life after death or, or completely denies that there is light life after death. These commentators will argue that David thought that this life was all that there was as he penned this psalm that's simply not the case we know from many other psalms of David that he knows he will dwell with God in heaven forever psalm 23 says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Psalm 16, verses 10 through 11 says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, as your right hand are pleasures forevermore. These are not the statements of a man who did not believe that there was an afterlife. These are the statements of a man who, who very much understands that there is life after death. And David rejoices in these psalms and, and longs for that life. So what does David mean when he says in Psalm 6, For in death there is no remembrance of you, and in the grave who will give you thanks? As David says that, he is acknowledging that with death comes the cessation of our activity here on earth. When our bodies die, we no longer have the opportunity to praise God with our families and friends. One more voice is silenced in the worship of God here on this earth. It is no longer possible to share the the good news of the character and salvation of the Lord. And this is striking, what David says here. This is striking. When David says these words in verses 4 and 5, he is seemingly saying that the greatest reason, the greatest reason he wants to live is so that he can remember God and give God praise in this life. David is saying, this is is what it means for me to truly live. To truly live is to praise and, and worship God. Paul picks up a similar theme when he says in Philippians 1.22, But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. David longs to remain in the flesh for that is more needful for the present moment, for the people of God, for the people of Israel. Is that our great desire when we consider our own deaths? What reasons do we have for wanting to live longer lives here on this earth? Often, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's so that I can go do that thing or I can see that, that place in the world uh, so I can get that life achievement. But David shows us here in Psalm 6 that it are, are, if, if we have a right orientating of our affections, if we have a right orientating of our, our thoughts and our actions, our greatest desire to live on this world will be so that we can worship God on this earth, so that we can join with the people of God who are alive here on this earth and praise and extol His great name. Now David's first great fear is that God would chasten him in anger, his second fear is that of perishing from this life and losing his opportunity to praise God. He's troubled because of death. There's another reason why David might be fearful of death here. Yes, David is certainly longing to worship and praise God in this life, but recall that David fears God's anger. Something is afflicting David's conscience that he fears God's anger. And if David is fearing God's anger in this life, surely he is also fearing God's anger in the life to come. David here seems to be struggling with assurance of faith, unsure of, am I truly saved? Do I I only know the wrath of God? Is God angry with me? David is fearful of death because he doesn't know where he will end up. Yet this, as we see David pouring out his soul here in Psalm 6, this should be an encouragement for us when, when we would lack assurance of our faith, when we would be fearful of the judgment of God. Should be an encouragement to us that those times that we are fearful, that we can go to our God in prayer, acknowledging those fears, telling God, I am fearful of death. I am fearful of your anger. I am fearful of being lost eternally. We should tell God those fears. And let God's word speak to us, even as David lets God's word speak to him. He he remembers what it is to worship and praise God. He says there in verse 5, For in death there is no remembrance of you. Well, what does that remembrance mean? What is it to remember God? Let's remember who the character of God is. It is remember how God has worked throughout history to save his people. It is remember that we are saved because of the mercy of the Lord. And we see that in the, in the verbiage that David uses in verse 4. He says, Return, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, save me for your mercy's sake. He's saying, the only hope I have is your mercy. It's your faithful covenant love. And I can have that hope in your mercy because it is your mercy's. This isn't a small mercy of God. These these are your great mercies. These are the hope I can have when I am spiritually depressed. I can go to God in prayer, acknowledging my fears and remembering the mercy of God. Sometimes when we seek the Lord, it can seem like the Lord has turned a deaf ear to us. We can be praying again and again, and there is no apparent answer to our prayers. It is is this silence to his prayers that brings David to the point of an exhausted existence. Psalm 6 describes how David has been seeking the Lord all night long. His prayers not been coldly unemotional but instead they have been poured forth with abundance of emotion he has washed his bed with his tears verses six and seven states i'm weary with my groaning all night i make my bed swim i drench my couch with my tears my eye wastes away because of grief it grows old because of all my enemies David uses some hyperbole to get at the utter exhaustion of his grief and to get at at the desperation with which he is seeking God. He speaks of his bed as practically having dissolved away because of the amount of tears that have come from his eyes. And yet for all those tears, he still does not know the, the comforting hand of God. From all accounts, David has not experienced the the solace of the Lord through these hours and hours of prayer. Yet, strikingly, we have this prayer preserved for us. David didn't give up praying. He did not cease praying, and nor should we. When it seems like God is deaf to our prayers, we might have considered stopping Is praying after he had prayed for an hour and made his pillow wet with his tears. David might have even considered stopping his intercession with God after praying for four hours and making both his sheets and his pillow wet. But he does not. And the sense we get from David is that David is going to seek the Lord. He's going to seek the Lord in prayer until he knows the answer from the Lord. David is going to seek the Lord until he knows the comfort and reply of the Lord in mercy. This should be an encouragement to us to remain steadfast in our prayers. In times of affliction, we can struggle often with just praying. But let us not grow weary in our prayers. Knows when God will pour out rich blessing upon his people for their faithful and steadfast prayers to him. The Lord has been pleased to see his people persevere in praying to him, sometimes for days, other times for years, other times for decades. The Lord delights in hearts that are diligent in praying, hearts that do not grow weary. If you read in the David Brainerd's journal. Before he got saved, he spent days and weeks in prayer and and seeking the Lord, repenting of his sins. It took days and weeks of prayer before he knew the comfort of the gospel, before he knew the Lord's answer, before he knew the wonder of salvation. So let's not... uh, Grow weary in our prayers. When our hearts are troubled, when we are spiritually depressed, let us be sure we spend serious time in prayer. And let's not be afraid of emotion in our prayers either. David speaks of an abundance of tears. He speaks of praying till the point of exhaustion, his eyes wasting away with grief. But as David pours out his heart to God in prayer, the Lord is pleased to answer his prayer. David ends his prayer with confident faith. David cries out, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. child of God who has spent time in prayer knows the wonder and the beauty of prayer. Perhaps you can... Test to times in your life where you have sought the Lord in prayer. You have been greatly troubled and distressed. And in the midst of praying, you knew the, the comfort and joy of salvation. Your anxieties and fears were washed away when you considered the, the goodness of God. There, You'll know that there's no... Real words to express the wonder that that is. It's it's truly amazing how the Lord speaks to His people in prayer. There is a blessing, a true blessing, when we know the Lord has heard our prayers, and we. As we pray to God, even as, as David prayed to God, David knew that God heard, would hear his prayer. And we too, when we pray to God, must pray with that with confident faith that the Lord will indeed hear our prayers. And we can pray with that confidence. Because the Lord has rebuked someone in anger. The Lord poured out justice on this person in his heart displeasure. We can pray to God with confidence, knowing that he will hear our prayers because God poured out his wrath, the wrath that we deserve to fall upon us. God poured that wrath out upon his own precious son. And he did so that we might be delivered and saved for his mercy's sake. It's not hard for us See in Psalm 6, the the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he prepared himself for the cross. It's not hard for us to hear an echo of his words in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's not hard to see the great drops of bloody sweat when David speaks of watering his couch with tears. It's not hard for us to see Christ in this psalm, praying, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. God the Father rebuked his Son in his anger so that we would not have to know the angry discipline of our God so that we could know the loving discipline of our God. Christ stood in our place when we deserve the just judgment of hell. And it is this Christ who will victoriously say to the wicked who do not believe in him, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Those unrepentant sinners who dare to afflict the people of God in this life. Christ will tell to depart from him. He will tell them that they have no part in him or his eternal rest. The trouble that they poured out upon the body and souls of the people of God will be poured out upon them. David prays there the end of the psalm, Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. And it's interesting to know that that word troubled is the same one that appears in verses 2 and 3 of the psalm he praying that the same trouble that has afflicted him would come upon his enemies he prays that because these enemies have made a mockery of david they have afflicted him and he's Enemies of God's people will be ashamed when they see the wonder of what God has done for them. Here they made a mockery of him during his affliction. Perhaps they called upon him to, to curse God. And why would God send this affliction to you if he is a just and a merciful God? Surely, surely you, your faith is foolish in this God. But they will be ashamed for those words. They will see that God is indeed a God of mercy, that God's sovereign plan in the suffering is to bring David closer to God, of we'll see God's great plan of salvation and and having Christ die for David's sin. The wicked who prospered and increased in this life will suffer in the next. And while the righteous suffered in this life, they will rejoice in heaven. This will be a shameful thing for the wicked. They advocated for their sinful lifestyles on this earth, saying that that is the way of true happiness. If you want to to know a life of, of little suffering, Well, well, follow your own heart. Do whatever sins you want to commit. That's the way to happiness. I made a mockery of religion and faith, but on that last day, you'll discover those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, of all people, are the happiest. They know true joy. Their relationship with Christ is firm and sure, and they will dwell in the houses of the Lord forever. So in times of spiritual depression, times when it seems that the Lord is rebuking us in anger, let's turn to our God in prayer. Let's remember that he lovingly chastens his children, does so because he desires to make the, the boundless depths of his mercy known to them. As in times of affliction, pray to our God and know with confidence that he will indeed hear our prayers and let's persevere in praying to him. For we have a high priest in heaven who makes intercession for us. We have a perfect high priest who laid down his life for us. He is that good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep so that they would never know the awfulness of the death that he died. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, We come before you, Lord. Lord, we acknowledge that, yes, indeed, we do need the discipline that you bring upon us. Lord, we pray with David that you would not chasten us in wrath, that you would not Uh, Discipline us in your hot displeasure. But Lord, that you would discipline us in love. Lord, we pray that you would ever cause us to know the great depths of your mercy. to Cause us to know the, the wonder of what it means to be loved by you. For greater love hath no man than this than that he lay down his life for his friend. Our Father, you, your Son, lay down his life for our behalf. And Lord, we are thankful for that. And Lord, we pray that we would ever know the comfort that comes from that. Lord, Encourage us in times when we are spiritually depressed to look to you, to rely upon you and your grace. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.